Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Ears International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. So in this house, if you're just listening to this podcast or just visiting for the first time, the mother of this home, the one who has been sent to us, I, I get super emotional thinking about mom because it's, I think about like where we've come from and what we were raised in, what I was raised in, in a place of just, you show up to church, you have a pastor who you see every once in a while and you get a good shot in the arm and then you head home and you don't really have any relationship and then you see him again the next week. But a family who has the opportunity to come together on a Friday night to enter into Shabbat together, to learn about where we come from, about where we're going, but we get the honor of that being released from a mother and a father that's that's a whole different ballgame than a pastor who gives you a five-point sermon. A mother and a father that call you to a place, that get into the everyday life with you, that will chase you down, pursue you, uh, smack you around a little, bring some alignment (laughs) in the most loving way possible. Because of that, our lives are all different. (laughs) I'm like... but I'm just grateful because we, I mean, we're working on our pledges right now. Those pledges are setting up our families for generations to come. And the things that we are pledging for our generation, for the legacy that's coming after us and for us where we are now, that has all been like the, the way has been made by a mother and a father. The importance of that role in life is like undescribable. That's why I'm like, get your cash because you have an opportunity to sit with forefathers of who we are, of kingdom heirs, of our legacy, and you have the opportunity to trade into the importance of that, to obtain that for your own life. There's no way to like put words to the depth of, gratitude that I have in my heart for being taken from a place like Egypt, religion being Egypt, to be, to follow a mother and father of a faith that are setting my family on a completely different track. That didn't happen when I just showed up on a Sunday morning and saw someone that I hardly knew. That only happens because somebody is willing to get in the trenches in my life and help me walk through the process of what it takes to go back to my original intent, to walk out of all that I was raised in and take me back to who I was created to be. And nights like this are so extremely important because we have parents over this home and over this region who are willing to walk that out with us. 
and to take a night like tonight to just pour into us. This is our family. This is where you come from. This is who you really are. I was thinking about mom today and I was thinking how like we're building, right? He's given us permission to build. But in order to build something that's so solid and so firm and so unshakable, you have to dig super, super deep. What is it called? I don't know, Linda's mouthing and I I don't have my glasses on. It is called digging. But I was thinking about how the, the soil getting torn up, the ground getting torn up, the roots of what, you, what was there before getting torn up and everything being pulled out in order to lay or to go deep to put that solid foundation in in order to build on top of it. And how mom has talked about to go forward, you have to go back. To build up, you're going to have to go down. And so I was thinking about how mom, she just reminds me of that, like, I'm willing to get in. I'm willing to dig a little deeper. I'm willing to go a little further. And I kind of, I've told mom before, I feel like she, she dug it all out with like a spoon. Like there was nobody in front of her, like making the way with a backhoe. She walked in with a spoon digging at it because out of a place of hunger, like there's got to be more. There's got to be more than what I know in this land of Egypt. And because of that, all of us, every single one of us, our lives have been affected and completely radically changed. Are you scared? (laughs) Mom's like, you should be. No, (laughs) no, it's always amazing, always beautiful, always well-received, mom. We are hungry for what you have. And we're thankful for all that you're willing to dive into and the places you're willing to go on our behalf. You're welcome. <laughs> what do you say? She's like, all this thank you. I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring my shoes up. I just can't handle it anymore. But aren't they cute? <laughs> the yellow. There is a purpose to my outfit. So let me just do one more walk around. Because there is a purpose besides me being cute. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, which we'll get to tonight. I mean, not that my out, anyways, we'll get to that. But Derek kind of hit the nail on the head. Basically, spring has come. And I just, um, there are so there are so many things I want to do tonight. And I say this every single time. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I really don't. Because I've got... This page and this page of a lot of details. For me to understand something, I have to make it mine. The best way to explain, um, well, the best way to explain is I have to get in the weeds because I, ha- I want to, like, I want to, I want to, I want to know it. <laughs> I want to dig it. I want to uncover it. I want I want, I, I want it all. I want from the old to the new to the prophetic to the what's done, what's not done. Like, I, I want it all. And so, I, so, so for me, I go on many rabbit trails. <laughs> and then I have to remind myself, okay, go back to that. And then it sends me on another thing. And then I'm like, oh, that's so good. And then I have to go back. So then when I release, I release possibly all my rabbit trails 
Or maybe I don't, I I try to have like one central theme, but I'll notice that I'll kind of get off on track and I really, I really feel the weight of staying focused tonight because I've got one hour. And um, the the reason why I'm saying this is just to kind of um, put some context to what I'm talking about is next week is Pesach. So I've got one night to release the next level of depth to Pesach from last year. And our family is at a whole new place. Last week, I was kind of like, no Easter. (laughs) Maybe that was the year before. But it was like, you know, and then the next year I was like, we get Pesach. And then people are like, Pesach, what is that? You know, so I just feel like it was kind of like this, like, anyways, last year was great. So I gave some homework. I hope that the elders reached out to the fruit group and not just on the Kingdom Heirs Fox. By Amber's face, maybe not. (laughs) I say that because on on the Kingdom Heirs Vox, I had given some homework to go back and just remember what was said last year. Because it would be way too much to go over the foundations and try to go deeper. But I also struggle going deeper if we haven't done that. So that's kind of where I'm at. Um, the best way to explain where we've been was the year prior to last was a lot of tearing down. It was the Bible does not say anything about a bunny. Right? Now, that seems simple now, but three years ago, all of you wanted to crucify me (laughs) because the Christian church down the street says, if you come with the bunny and you find your Easter egg, you will be saved. And that is not what he says, down to the simplicity of then going, moving forward into all the things, right? So as America, we are very strong, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say we're very strong around Easter, We're very strong around Christmas, and I would say the other time is around Halloween. Is there anything else? Thanksgiving, yes, and Thanksgiving is more of like a national holiday. Fourth of July is a national holiday, but when it comes time to the Christian, the church's holidays, we've got the Harvest Festival, Reformation, Halloween, we've got Christmas, he was born, and then we've got Easter, because he rose with a bunny. So the first, so that year was kind of a lot of tearing down. And I want us to understand something. This is so powerful. We're in 5782, the Hebrew year 5782. That means in the year 5780 was the beginning of speaking some things out. Then last year, 5781 was he wanted to put his voice on it. He started to say, but this is what I see. So like zero was ground zero. You got nothing, guys. Everything you've been taught, it's a fraud. Then in 5781, Yahweh was like, but I have something to say about it. And so he kind of came in and said, here's Pesach, here's Shavuot, here's Tabernacles, here's Hanukkah. This year, we are in 5782. I, I promise, Dad poured me this like really strong pour. <laughs> I gave half of it to... Yvonne, because that was just crazy. And then I'm afraid if I start to go nuts, you're going to think she just had wine. (laughs) And I'm telling you, even though I have had this, I've only had two sips plus communion. So I'm fine. Anything that comes out of my mouth is Holy Ghost. I am. (laughs) So anyways, um, 5782 
It's about the house. It's about your house. It's about your pledge. It's about the two. It is about his voice and your voice coming together this year. So it's not just about what he says, but it's about what you do with what he says. That's about 5782. We are right on track, family. And I didn't have to have a staff meeting to figure that out. Isn't this powerful, 5782? We are in the year of the home bait. And it's where the two really do become one because it is about the two houses, but it's also about his house and our house and what we do with that. Okay? So that we are right in alignment with everything that he's saying. So... My purpose for tonight is to, re- to release a little bit more depth from what we did last year in order for us to receive another layer of Pesach. For me, it's hard to go a little bit deeper because I'm wanting to like do a review and talk about, I mean, there's just so much to talk about. So that's why I gave that homework. So if you did not hear that, um, I want us to be able, how many of you do not know what I'm talking about with the podcast? You do know about podcasts. Anyone not know? You guys don't, obviously. How do you not know about podcasts? Where have you been? (laughs) Um, Powerful, powerful story over here. Uh, Linda's been talking to them. Long story short, really small world. And she starts talking about Kingdom Heirs and they're like, where are you? Because that's what we, like, we get that. <laughs> and so she, you know, so anyways, it's just so awesome. She was like, so now we're here. And I'm like, well, you wouldn't be here if we didn't have like minds. So, um, so I, okay. So the podcasts, we have podcasts that you can access online. If you have an app on your phone, you can access it through Spotify, iTunes, any, anywhere else, not YouTube yet. It's not on YouTube, but it can be online, and it's basically our uh, podcast. The year, let me see if I can remember this without looking at the box. In 2020, we started basically a series that said, time to build, building traditions. If you go into Spotify or if you go online and you look up Kingdom Heirs podcast, you can see the titles, building, building traditions. That's kind of where it started. Then you fast forward into November of 2020. So it basically started in the summer and moves into November. And we basically just begin the process of tearing down and building. Then, so that's 5780. So that's where you're going to get the punches. <laughs> if any of you did the homework, I was listening to myself and I was like, ooh, <laughs> because it was, the, it was the in your face, this is not what the scripture says. Then last year, we went into the depth of Pesach. So around March, to prepare for Pesach, we started uh, really teaching on some of the foundations of what is Passover. What does that mean? Where is it in the Old Testament? Where is it in the New Testament or the Renewed Covenant? Where is all that? What does it mean? What are the days? Why are we celebrating? Hey, now that we know we're celebrating, let's get together and fry some fish and have four cups of wine. Okay, that was last year. (laughs) This year we're doing the same thing, but I want to build on it, okay? So that's why I feel like I need to stay on task because my heart tonight is to definitely give some biblical foundation for what it is that he has said, but I also want to get our family excited about Pesach in general. And I really don't necessarily know what 
is going to come first and what's going to come next. But, um, so let me start with my outfit. Um, perfect. So first, is this super cool, you guys? Guess how much it was. What? A hundred? Two hundred? Oh my gosh, Jason. You guys, it was $14. But this is so powerful. So I happen to be looking up some things. This is called a holla cover. This is two Shabbat candles with the wine glass, the communion, the two houses, the wine, uh, the grapes. But this says in Hebrew, and I actually was able to read half of it on my own. But it says, so I'm getting there. But it says to honor the holy Shabbat and a good day. Yom Tov is a lot more stronger than in the English good day. Yom Tov is a very celebratory, it's basically an honoring of what you're walking into. And I just thought it was so powerful because Dee will make this beautiful challah bread and it's just kind of exposed and now we can, now we have a challah bread cover. So the reason why I bring that up and I bring up my outfit is because we got so excited about Hanukkah. But Hanukkah is very commercialized, so it's easy to get excited about Hanukkah. There's tons of blue, blue and silver, the Israeli star, you have the menorah, I mean, you've got plates, you've got kitchenware, you have all this access because it is commercialized, right? Well, then you come to Pesach, and it, the stores are filled with the Easter bunny and the eggs, but I still don't see a Pesach section. Right? I mean, at least Christmas is 90% of Hobby Lobby, and then you have Hanukkah. But right now, all I see is Easter. I'm not seeing Pesach commercialized, and I'm not saying it should be commercialized. But I want to know as a family, what are we supposed to do to prepare for this? Meaning, I want to teach tonight, but I also want to get our family excited because, yes, we're getting together next Saturday, but it's an eight-day celebration. So what are you doing in your house what are you doing in your home? Five, seven, eight, two. What are we doing? Why are, what is unleavened bread? What does that mean? How do you prepare for the Feast of Unleavened Bread? What does this mean? So I want to start with just kind of some practical stuff. Can we do that? Okay. So do you guys have your phones? Okay. Most of you who were on the Vox have gotten these instructions, but I want to do it corporately because I want us to all be on the same page because the moment the Feast of Unleavened Bread happens... We are going to be a tightly fitted together, mutually dependent upon one another family from, the, from next Friday until Shavuot, okay? Because, uh, and if you guys need, do you guys have these or remember these? Sure. If anybody wants them, Gabe made this amazing chart of all the feasts. Okay, so if you have your phone, now these instructions are specific to an iPhone. So if you are a droid, you're going to have to get with Ellen. <laughs> Didn't you say you would help with the Google, you're a Google whiz. Somebody can figure it out. But so, um, ooh, that was cool. Okay, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to, are you guys okay to do this just real quick? You have your iPhone? Okay. Go into settings. If you've already done this, just 
help somebody next to you. If you have all of this, then sit by somebody. Maybe, who has not done what I'm about to show you? If somebody has done it, whoever raised their hand, can you come sit by them? Real quick, we're going to take like five minutes, guys. Calendar stuff. Couple of calendar things. It's not just... Okay, listen, I am not just teaching how to put the Hebrew calendar on your calendar. I am teaching about holidays on your calendar. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let's do that. If you've done it, sit with somebody who needs help. Are we good? Okay. You're going to go into settings. You're going to click on calendar. Then you're gonna kind of scroll down and you're gonna see time zone override and you're gonna see alternate calendars. Do you guys see that? Click on alternate calendars. You're gonna have Chinese, Islamic. You're gonna click Hebrew. Everybody good so far? No. So you're gonna go to um, calendar. Then you're gonna go to alternate calendars and you're gonna click Hebrew. That's that easy. Now you can go into your calendar, click on your calendar, and then it is not only the, oh, the 8th, but it's also the 7th of Nissan. Yeah. Okay. So that's the easy part. We're all good? We're moving on to the next step. This is going to be a little bit more intense. Okay. I need you to go to the internet. (laughs) I need you to type in this, uh, this internet. It's hebcal, for Hebrew calendar, hebcal.com, backslash iCal. So hebcal.com, backslash iCal. I hope this works by you doing it with my voice. Huh? Nope. Maybe. If you're an Android, we will have to figure it out. Are you guys all there? Okay. It's loading. Sudden link? Come on. Okay. So now what you're going to do is you're going to, are you guys on the website? Okay. The very first thing says major holidays with an emoji. Do you see that? Click on that. And then it's going to have a link, and you're going to do a, basically a paste, a copy, sorry. You're going to highlight that link, copy it. Just get it on your clipboard. Just push um, copy. Oh, if you push copy, it's automatically on your clipboard. Okay, now you're going to go back to settings. Click on calendar. Do you guys, you guys Okay. Do you guys see where it says accounts? Okay, click on accounts. You probably have iCloud, you might have a Gmail, you might have Google, Yahoo. You're gonna put add account. You guys see that? You can add an iCloud, you can add a Google. You're gonna add other. Click other. All the way at the bottom it says add subscribed calendar. You guys see that? You're gonna click on that and literally you're going to paste. Paste that link. Then come out of it and go look at your calendar now. 
And you will find Pesach, you're going to find Shavuot, you're going to find tabernacles highlighted at the top of your calendar. There's one more, and then we'll be done. Uh, go, to, go to next Friday, Feast of Unleavened Bread. So April 15th. Yep. Or April 14th. I'm like in the Hebrew calendar right now, so. Are we good? Yep, it means Eve. Okay. Well, we're going to do one more. The other ones you can play if you want, but for the sake of the simplicity, I want us to at least have two. Go back to the internet, hebcal.com slash iCal. Scroll down and find counting of the Omer. That is the one we're going to need because we got 50 days we got to count and we're not going to remember which day we're on if it's not on our calendar. <laughs> uh, you're going to uh, go down. You're, are you on the internet to HebCal? What? Oh, you're writing it down. So you're basically going back to that website we talked about. And instead of major holidays, about maybe six down is there's another one called Counting the Omer. Click on Counting the Omer. Do the same thing paste that link or copy that link, I'm sorry, go back to your calendar, add an account and do the same thing again and paste that link. Then you should go to your calendar and see all of the counting of the Omer, which is actually going to start next Sunday if you want to check it. Not this Sunday, next Sunday you should see Omer 1. Okay. If we're somewhat okay, we'll move on, but now at least you have the gist and a lot of people know how to do it so we can kind of Utilize one another to make sure we have it. Does that sound okay? Okay. Oh, where do I want to start? Okay. I'm going to start backwards. Okay. Are we all right for me to move forward? Jalen, you have it on your calendar? Okay. So this is what, there is so much. There is so much to this feast. Um, I just want to present to our family what I believe we should focus on this year. Um, part, part of the reason why I was saying I just sometimes feel a little not necessarily discombobulated, but Missy said it perfect with a spoon. I am leading a family blindly, meaning I don't have essentially what you guys have, just this is what you do now, and this is how you do it, and this is what it means. And there's not, I mean, there is definitely, I don't want to make it sound like we're the only ones. There is a remnant out there that is doing this, but everyone kind of just does it a little bit different. And so I don't have necessarily someone that I am just getting a step-by-step -step like I'm able to give. So part of me is I, I want to make sure that we have full wisdom and understanding as to why we're stepping into this and full understanding of what it is that you're stepping into. And then on top of that, I also have what's weighty on me is how do you step into it? 
It's the first year for me, I feel like, I mean, it probably wasn't, but now it feels easy. It was just like, you know, that was easy. And then the next year, but now it's kind of like, what are we going to do with this? Or how are we going to do it beyond Saturday? I believe you always given us a great foundation with our, with our new tradition of being able to uh, be together next week, which I will make that announcement for anybody who has not heard it. But at the end of the day, all you need to know for right now is that next Saturday, next Friday night, actually, you're going to come here and it's going to look different. And it's going to look different for a couple of reasons. It is the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So everything changes at sundown. Everything always changes Friday night at sundown. But there's something powerful when we get the feast. And that starts next Friday at sundown. Then... The next day, we are going to be together all day as a family, engaging in this feast. But there is so much more than just what we do on Saturday. And I want to make sure that we're equipped as a family. At least what we're going to focus on this year, I want us to be ready for. Okay? So, um, one of the most powerful questions that happens during Passover, Pesach is the Hebrew word for Passover, um, is the children ask specifically, why is this night different than any other night? I just, that just gives me goosebumps. Why is this night different than any, why is it different than any other night? Why is this different? And you're supposed to have the answer. You have to know why this Shabbat, why this night is different than any other night. And so for me, what I, what I want us to focus on and I hope that this is okay to just jump into it because I'm hoping that the foundation's there for you to be like, okay, when I give these instructions. After I give these instructions, if it's a little jolting, we'll work ourselves backward and we'll talk about Passover and why it's so important. But I want to give these instructions to make sure that we've got time to do that. Um, I believe that um, this year, what he wants us to focus on is being clean. Uh, because it matches our pledges. It matches where we're going. We're walking into covenant and clean people hold covenant. Now we know through the power of Yeshua that we have access and we are fully cleansed. Okay? We are a full gospel family. We, we've kind of knocked this out of the park when people go, so you're Jews now? <sighs> Okay, so we know that the blood of Yeshua fulfilled this feast, but that does not mean that that gives us the right to spit on his heritage and what he honored and say, well, he's the one that makes me clean so I can do whatever I want, which has ultimately become the epitome of Christianity. I can worship what I want, I can do what I want, I can say what I want, and it's all under grace. And to some degree, <laughs> I, I'll just leave that there. I'm not dismissing the power of the blood, because if it was not for his blood, you would be dead. So I'm not dismissing that, but I also think that there's this two-way street, which we'll get to, uh, that, that it's what Derek said. It is under my care. It is my responsibility to steward what he's given us. And he says in Genesis that you are the steward of his feasts. 
You're the governor of his feast. So if we're sitting back going, well, it's all about his feast, so I guess one day he'll just show up like it's a mystery. Um, no, you're going to be stewarding his showing up. We need to get this because when fall comes, you are in charge of stewarding his arrival. <laughs> that is the feast of the ingathering. That is the feast of the fruit. That is the feast where it's for all of us. And we can't just sit back and just be like, I don't know, I guess one day he'll do it. So when the, when the children say, why is this night different than any other night? I want us to be able to have that answer. But for right now, here's the instructions. Next Friday basically starts, I'm just going to say it boldly, starts an eight-day fast. The Feast of Unleavened Bread means you do not eat leaven. Now, for our family this year, we're just going to focus on rising agents. <laughs> there is a, a tradition that, how do I say the word? Hametz? Hametz is not just rising agents, but all starch. Okay, we'll get there. It's going to be fine. It's gonna, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> For this Pesach, we are going to specifically deal with the concept of leavening, rising agent. So tradition is, okay, ah, okay. so next week, what day is the 10th of Nisan? I want you guys to look it up on your calendars. Monday, good job. Monday is the day that they pick out the lamb and they watch it for four days. Now you have to remember, they're picking out the lamb that they raised. So what we're gonna do as a family is we're not obviously raising lambs and we're not gonna be able to go pick out a lamb. But what we can do is be intentional starting Monday to prepare ourselves for this fast. Don't come empty-handed on Friday saying, oh, I'm supposed to fast, you know, leavening agents, and the only thing you have in your house is bread. So the purpose of this is to prepare that you are going to be fasting. Anytime you do a fast, what do you do? You go to the grocery store, and you get your juices, or if you're on the Daniel fast, you've got your vegetables, right? You have to prepare. You can't just start on Friday with a fast. So there is a preparation period. Know that you are aligning with the times that this is also the same time that Yeshua walked into Jerusalem, the, uh, the waving of the palm branches. So Monday in Hebrew actually starts Sunday night. What is Sunday? Palm Sunday. So you're walking out his journey as you do this. And to prepare for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, what you do traditionally is you clean your house. You actually, now here, so this is what we're going to do as a family. This is what we're going to focus on, which is why I wore the outfit. I feel like what he wants us to focus on in 5782 is that it is about honoring the spring is here. It is about agriculture. agriculture. It is about, um, there's a feast coming. There's a first fruits. What does that mean? Because something's been planted, right? This is, this is the sustenance of their li lives. And so what we're going to be working on is working in our homes to prepare, which means looking at everything. Now, when I say spring cleaning, I'm not talking about bathrooms. Now, granted, you can clean your bathrooms, but this is specific to food. 
Because this is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He's saying, please be aware of what's going in your mouth. So this is specific to an actual eating fast. So when you're going through, the tradition would be that you would go through, you'd start with your kitchen. And when I say spring cleaning, I'm saying I want, well, not I want, but the tradition is, and I feel like what we're supposed to do is not one crumb of any grain left even in your microwave. Look through your fridge. Look through your microwave. I want you, wherever food is, I want you to look at it. You eat on the couch, take those cushions out. I want you to spring clean for a reason. You are preparing for something. You're going to look in your couch uh, cracks. You're going to look underneath the coffee tables. You're going to look under your couches. You're gonna, you eat in your bed, strip your beds. <laughs> Look, under your bed, you are going, wherever there is food, you are going to take an extra good look and you are going to do a spring cleaning. Involve your family. It should be exciting. (laughs) It should be exciting because you're getting ready for the the greatest miracle. Here's what's crazy. The greatest miracle, that's only the beginning. The greatest miracle that ever could have happened, and yet it's only the beginning. I'm going to get into it, but it's actually the cheapest of all the feasts, and I'll say why, which probably sounds absolutely asinine, because then, what am I saying? Yeshua is cheap, but what it is, is that he wants to instill your identity, because this first feast is all about him, and yet what it is about, there's more to come at Shavuot, and it's about you. And there's more expense on you than even him. That's how he sees it. So when you're doing this, I want you to look at every area in your house, and you're going to basically just, it has been winter. It has been night season. It's musky. We've been cooped up. The windows have been shut. Your pillows need a good shaking. Your blankets need a good tossing. Things need to get aired out. We need to look at everything. Here's what's going to happen while you're doing that spiritually, you're going to be cleansed too. Because he's going to be looking at every area that food affects and looking for any crumb or anything that involves leaven. You guys okay with this? So starting Sunday night, essentially, all through the week, you're going to be doing spring cleaning to prepare. What that's going to look like is you're also not only going to be cleaning, but you're going to be getting rid of any rising agents. If that means for you and your family that what you want to do is take your baking soda, take your um, baking powder, any kind of yeast, and put it in a box, because that's where you're at, then that's fine. Put it in the garage. Go put it it somewhere else if that's where you are. Typically, they actually start completely over. We'll get into it, but 1 Corinthians says, do not... This is so powerful. We have, how did this happen that we don't know about this when 1 Corinthians 5 specifically says, honor the feast of unleavened bread, not with an old leavening, but with a new. (sighs) Anyways, okay, can I just do something? Can they, can you guys all come sit right here? I want all the chairs back to the way that it was and I want all of you guys sitting right here. John, come up here. Um, so, 
Okay, so you're going to clean out, and you're going to get rid of anything that's rising. Now, now it can get a step further, and it could be all starch. It could be so, but at this point, anything that is already baked that has leaven in it. So you're going to get rid of your bread. You're going to get rid of your pancakes, your waffles. Give me some other ideas. <laughs> Maybe if it's, you know what I mean? Like, I've got a lot of bread. If, if, if you're not ready to just toss it, throw it in the freezer. Just, you know, just, what? Well, we're not doing starch. We're not doing starch as a family. I was just saying that there is a tradition that says all noodles, all cakes, all cookies, all flour, all anything that would create dough. Here's the point. We don't have time. We're about ready to get delivered. You know, if we're like holding on to our bread, he's saying, no, trust me, let it go, take the plunder, and let's move. In fact, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you do a Seder meal, and you were supposed to eat with your shoes on, staff in hand, ready to go, because it was, it's happening. So it is a ready feast, okay? So, so at least anything that's already made that is risen, that has rising agents in it. We're going to just, whatever that means for you and your family, you're going to remove it from your house and you're going to clean your house from anything that is there for that, okay? For eight days, starting next Friday night, begins the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And it's going to go all the way through the next week. You'll notice it when we have um, Shabbat. Next week, we're going to have matzah and we'll also have it that next Friday. So, not only are you supposed to not have anything with leavening, you're supposed to have matzah. So start to prepare. Go to Sprouts, Whole Foods, Fries, I'm sure. Get your boxes of matzah. Okay? You can have crackers all day long. You're actually supposed to. You're supposed to engage it. You're supposed to eat it. You're supposed to have it for communion. You're supposed to, you're supposed to have it. It is the feast of matzah. Essentially is what it's called. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is the same thing as the Feast of Matzah. And I'm going to get into who, well, maybe you guys already kind of know this. Who is Matzah? Yeshua is Matzah. He is the final bread of life that has no leavening in it. He does not have any aspect of that in it because what leaven means is it allows, it, it's anything that is a rising agent because the purpose of that is that it, is, it puffs you up. It's basically the symbolism of pride. You have that in your home. You have pride. You have the ability to be puffed up. You have the ability to provide for yourself, because you have everything within your home to make dough and make bread. And, 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 and he's wanting to be the sustenance. He's wanting to be that life. So we're getting rid of everything in our house that produces that puffed up. As you do this symbolically, it's happening in you. You are becoming a matzah. You are becoming, um, you are becoming that, that bread that does not have any rising agent, which essentially is the same thing as sin when you read 1 Corinthians. Any leavening agent or anything rising is equivalent to sin. So what is happening during this feast is you are getting rid of sin and you're separating that puffed up to what the real is, to the foundation, right? You're, you're separating that. So... 
That's what we're going to be working on next week. The other thing, which I'm not saying that we're going to get into, but the other tradition is to kosherize your kitchen. It basically means you're really, you're making your kitchen kosher in the sense of clean. We're not going to get into that, but here's what I do want to get you guys excited for. Because I feel like this dropped in my spirit. Remember when we went shopping for Hanukkah and we all got like new plates and you had your menorah? This is what I want you to be excited about. I want you to start praying. What does it look like in your household to have the beginning of the, um, the elements to have a kosher kitchen? What I mean by that is, is that could we honor eight days of, of the, um, the, the feast of matzah they typically, what they would do is they would take their dishes and they would boil them for 24 hours to make them super clean. Or a family would have a whole set of dishes for just that week. Or they would use disposable. So my thought as a family is how powerful would it be to have a set aside set of dishes for your family for just the week of Pesach that matches your decor, that matches it that says spring, you know, like what does it mean to you and your family to shift from essentially winter or Hanukkah and move into spring? What does that look like in your house? And here's why I'm saying these things. And it might not mean, it might not matter, uh, or it might not mean something right now, but I started off saying when the kids say, why is this night different than any other night? How are we going to make it different? You're up against the world that just produces Easter starting in February. Prepare, get your basket, get your candy, get the bunny, get the Easter outfit, make sure you're dressed right, right? And it gets kids excited. And then we come to Passock and we're like, well, we'll just, we'll go to Kingdom Mares on Saturday. Not that we have that attitude, but what is it that we can do as a family to start getting us excited about why are we celebrating the spring feast and what does that mean to celebrate the spring feast? So it's a preparation. So typically, which we're a little bit late, for next year, Purim is around March. Purim is not an appointed feast, so we haven't talked about it, but it's, uh, it's in the book of Esther, and it's just a huge, huge costume celebration because it is just love and life that they were delivered again. Okay. So typically what, what will happen is around Purim is kind of your mark to be like, eh, we should probably start getting ready. Passock's around the corner. Stop buying leavening agents then. Does that make sense? So around February, March, you're going to actually just stop buying the, that stuff. You're going to be using it up, and then the week prior to Pesach is when you're going to be getting rid of everything that's in your home. So it really is a really big pe- preparation. Okay, so uh, I just wanted to give an example of something that I had prayed about. Um, but I, the reason why I wore this outfit is I felt like I wanted to shift our family. My home is very clean and white and greenery and simple. And then I have Hanukkah and it's just very elegant and white and deep blue. And so I thought, you know what? Spring is here, and I'm going all out. So I got a Seder plate. Isn't this cool, though? Look at all these colors. So I'm actually thinking about getting some, a plate set that might even possibly be yellow, which is why I was wearing yellow shoes, to kind of just symbolize like a, 
like, a, I don't, a, for us, just a fresh start. So this is what I mean by praying. What does this look like in my home? What do I want to get my family excited about? If you can lean in about what they wore, what your kids wore on Easter Sunday, I think we can lean in on what plates we eat off of. <laughs> and if it means using your plates, but you have a process with your kids where you get to boil them for, you know what I mean? Like make it, look it up and search it out and, and see what it is that your family um, can do. So that is the practical side of next week. Does that make sense? Okay. So you're going to prepare. You're going to get out. The other thing to be thinking about is if you're a meal planner, you have to think about meals because whatever you're cooking that whole week can't have any kind of rising agent. So start thinking about meals, matzo ball soup, you know, start thinking about those things, get those recipes, get those traditions in, start going shopping and have meals with your family to celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread and explain why is this different than any other night? Why are we not eating stuff with leaven? And it's your opportunity to tell the story of your heritage which is what we're going which which is what we're going to get into. <laughs> but it's your it's our opportunity to explain what happened. And if it didn't happen to them, it wouldn't have happened for us. And what is so powerful about the spring feast is we get kind of a double portion blessing, right? For thousands of years they told the story of that deliverance. But we get to tell that story of deliverance and pair it to Yeshua who did the exact same feast, but he, but he was it. So everything parallels. So you have Passover, you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then you move into Yeshua's story, and he is the Passover lamb. He is the, he was the one that separated the sin from us. He is matzah. He is, and, and it's so powerful when you even know when they, uh, when they did the Seder meal. Ha ha ha. But the un, he is the unleavened bread. He is separating sin. And then the third feast of the spring is first fruits. That first fruits we always know is Yeshua. But first fruits was celebrated way before, along with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? And it had to do with the promised land. And anyway, it has to do with a lot. So then Yeshua rises as our first fruit. And Corinthians says, he is the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. He is our first fruit. So ultimately, what we get to do is just walk in to a feast that has not only happened storyline, but has been fulfilled. Now, I want to get into the details of Passover, uh, but I really want to make sure that I get to the counting of the Omer. So basically, this is what it's going to look like date-wise. Are you guys doing okay? Okay. Next Friday is the beginning of unleavened bread. At sundown is the Seder meal. So what that means is, is that we are honoring Exodus because they did this. Okay? But we are also honoring Yeshua because he was crucified. I just want you guys to kind of wrap your head around this. He was crucified about two hours, three hours prior to you coming to this building next Friday. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Seder meal starts after the sacrificial lamb is sacrificed. So you'll begin to understand what it is, why the unleavened bread, and what is it, because you're actually eating 
of, I mean, not literally, but you're eating of the lamb that was sacrificed and you're eating unleavened bread because that's the beginning of his process, meaning he died, he's dead. He, that is the beginning of the separation of sin from us. Okay. So that's next Friday. So let me just walk through the dates. <laughs> There's so much. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Okay. Friday, he gets crucified. He fulfills the prophecy that no bone will be broken. Because what happened was, was Shabbat, you could not have them hanging on the cross. They had to be dead. They had to be put in a, to a tomb before Shabbat because they had to be left alone because they were entering into Shabbat. So they broke the legs of the two that were next to him so that they would die. When they got to him, he was already dead. Because he fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah that says that no bone shall be broken. So he gets put in the tomb the time that we get to start the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Because that is the beginning of his process of taking away sin from the earth. Okay. He rises after Shabbat in the morning. Okay. So he rises. Essentially, he rises on the 16th of Nisan, which is also first fruits. So he it rises. And if you remember, the woman comes up to him and he says, don't touch me. I haven't been offered up to the father yet. Because on first fruits, on the 16th of Nisan, which is going to be our Sunday of next week, the priests do a wave offering of the first fruits of barley. He is the fulfillment of our first fruits. So first fruits is going to be that next Sunday. But he commands us to honor unleavened bread for eight days. Are you guys okay? That Sunday of first fruits is going to be the counting of the Omer. Because that was the agricultural, this is my first wave. Then they counted out, it says to count seven Sabbaths. So 49 days plus a day, which would then be what we get Pentecost or when Shavuot is. The counting of the Omer is important for us because what is happening for our family is he is setting us on a trajectory of cleaning ourselves, walking through the process that he walked through, and he's setting us on a path to be able to receive the fullness of what's to come at Shavuot, which is ultimately covenant. The pillars, <laughs> we've been divesting, does this sound familiar, and clinging in order to walk into the pillar of covenant. And we just said that we were going to commission on Shavuot based on our pledges. So he wants you to walk out your character development. There is a seven-week process. Every week focuses on a different part of character development. And as we count out the days together as a family, we're going to be walking through the process of our character de development to be able to fully receive covenant at Shavuot. And we know from the years prior, that Shavuot is another feast that has already been fulfilled. Shavuot did not start in Acts. Shavuot started at Mount Sinai, 50 days after Passover. Passover happens, and it's, it's seven Sabbaths to get to, to Mount Sinai. And then, look, think about this, the, it's not just symbolism, but who was writing Acts? Probably knew about Shavuot because the way he described this divided tongues of fire, the shaking, all of that had already happened. 
And why was there so many people at, in Acts? It says, uh, one, uh, one thing I was studying said, you guys, this is so crazy. One thing that I was studying said that there is 150,000, anywhere between 150,000 to 500,000 people in Jerusalem that need to eat the sacrificial lamb. So that, because it was required to go to Jerusalem during that time. That's why he told the disciples to wait. So when Ruach fell, it was the fulfillment of Mount Sinai. So Mount Sinai was a story and a prophecy. Fast forward, it gets fulfilled in Acts. So that is the second feast time that we get to celebrate. Okay. So overview, before I get into the details is this is all agricultural. Okay, so I'm just gonna, this is what I got, this is a spiritual revelation that I, wanted to, I want to release to you guys, that I, I just got this download today. There are three agricultural feasts that we are to honor. And the reason why I'm making this very clear that our family is gonna celebrate three times in a year is because we have to combat the Easter, the Halloween, and the Christmas. We get the spring feast, Shavuot, fall feast. Okay, spring feast, there's three, right? Spring feast, spring feast is Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Fast forward 50 days later, you have Shavuot. Then you've got tabernacles in the fall. Okay, the first, for the first fruits, the spring feast is all about barley. This is why I said it's the cheap one. Because in 2 Kings and in Revelations, it gives a dollar amount to barley, versus wheat. This is super powerful. Wheat is more expensive than barley. Barley is known as common for the, for the poor. It's for everyone. The way that I heard that in the spirit, it's, um, it's a staple food. Doesn't necessarily need to be cooked. Cereal based. It's um, <laughs> gluten free. It's um, accessible. It's for everyone. Does that sound like Yeshua? But that's just the beginning. Like that's just, he's accessible and it's common and it's for everyone. And then we stop there. But then you fast forward to the second, the second feast is all about the wheat harvest. What does wheat do? Wheat is more expensive. Wheat is flour, and it allows you to make the sustenance of life. In fact, the seven elements, I think that there's seven foundational elements, wheat is the most important. Deuteronomy, I believe, 8.8 8 talks about that. There's seven species of the earth. It is the most important. What I'm hearing in the spirit is Shavuot is all about you, and you are the most important. You are expensive. Your identity matters. And, it, and what's so powerful is I don't just mean you alone. You can't, do, you can't make bread without him. So there's the wheat that comes together with him. Ruach falls on you, the epitome of covenant, the expression of marriage, the expression of the fullness at Shavuot that allows the priest to be able to wave what? He waved at first fruits during, during Passover, barley, she, uh, omers. Shavuot, he does another wave offering of two loaves of bread. 
representing the two houses, representing him and you, representing the fullness of wheat. Okay, fast forward to tabernacles. What agricultural uh, feast is that celebrating? Anyone want to guess? Fruit. It's the feast of the ingathering. It's his fruit. It is where he says, when I come, I will get my fruit. This is so cool. And we've settled for Easter, Halloween, and Christmas. Not to mention, all, all I'm just giving overviews. This is backed up by days. It is like timeline. I mean, I can walk you through the 14th of, I can walk you through uh, the Last Supper. I can walk you through Palm Sunday, uh, Last Supper. I can walk you through the crucifixion, the tomb, and how it all lines up and give you all the scriptures from Exodus to Leviticus, and then what happens at Mount Sinai. And then when you get to tabernacles, <laughs> okay, that's why I want you guys to understand Shavuot is that you are so important because without you, he cannot, he cannot have tabernacles. How's he going to get his fruit without the two loaves? How's he going to get his fruit without the wheat? But it first starts with the barley offering, which is him. Okay, so as we're, as we're preparing for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, I want us to understand that what you're walking into is you're understanding Passover, you're understanding that Feast of Unleavened Bread, and you're understanding first fruits. okay? Obviously, I didn't talk much about the actual Passover, but of course, we know that, um, well, let me just get into some of the details. Are you guys doing okay if I do that? Okay. All right. Ah! I really do need like three hours. Okay. Let me explain some things to just make it a little bit simple. Exodus is where the story happens. Pretty much, if you want an overview, Exodus 11 through chapters 11 through 15 is going to give you the story. Okay? So when your family says, why is this night any different? That's the story that you're talking about. That's your people. Not to mention that spiritually what Yeshua, Yeshua did is he's delivering you from every ounce of slavery that they endured during Egypt. And we'll go over that when we get together and we engage in the four cups. Because in Deuteronomy, he says, I shall rescue you. I shall deliver you. I shall redeem you. Right? And we get to engage in all of those cups of every ounce of Egyptian slavery, religion slavery that I've been bound up in. I get to engage in those four cups that says he shall do this. That's what we get to engage in. And we are going to do that on Saturday. So you've got the story in Exodus. Okay, then the law comes in Leviticus, and then he starts describing what you're going to do with that story. Okay, so you've got Exodus, you've got the story. He starts already telling you what you're going to do in Exodus automatically. He basically says, you will make this a holy convocation. You will remember this forever. Not when my son comes. Forever. These are my feasts. To the B'nai Israel, the sons of Israel, which we've talked about why we are, you got, I feel like I got to go down that road too. <laughs> we are Israel. Should I real quick? Okay. 
Why am I Israel? Why am I not the church? Why am I Israel? Abraham had who? Isaac had who? Jacob wrestled, became who? Okay. Before everything got scattered, Jacob, Israel, had 12 sons who ended up becoming 12 separate tribes. One of those tribes is Jew, Judah. Okay? I don't know. Are you a Jew? I think you are. You a Jew? I think you are. Gabi, Levite. Noel? I don't want to say it. <laughs> just kidding. But I'm just saying, like, there's, you, there's, there's, there's characteristics of what tribe. You came from a tribe. Okay? You came from a tribe. The point that we're getting at is I don't care if you're a Levite, if you're a Reubenite, if you're an Issachar. I don't care if you're a, 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 I don't care if you're a Jew. I don't care Jew, Gentile, right? Because what, what happened with the split was you had 12 tribes. Jew went this way and they held fast to the covenant. They never broke the covenant. All the other tribes decided to worship other idols and start having Easter. So the Christian church essentially is Gentile. Is that okay to say that? So we came from one of the other 12 tribes. There's more details in that. It's not exactly like that, but just for the sake of this. So you've got Jew that held fast to the covenant. Then you've got all the other tribes that we came from that are Gentile because they intermarried. Some of them with Egyptians. <laughs> so you've got this mix going on and a scattering of the people. Then what happens is Yeshua comes on the scene and all the 11 tribes go, he's the Messiah, which is awesome. But then they like kick out the Jews. Well, you missed it. Which, what is that going to do? If the feast of the ingathering is about all of the fruit, all we did was recreate the cycle and we're still creating division between the tribes. So all we're doing is saying, instead of saying we're a Baptist and we're a Levite and we're a non-denominational and we're a Reuben and right instead of saying that what we're saying is we're Hebrew we are Israel because the father of all of that was Jacob Yahakov and even before that is Avraham and because he's the father of faith I'm okay to say I'm a Hebrew because I'm just I'm, I'm not dismissing because you learn but I'm in a way kind of dismissing all of that scattering and saying where's my people Where's my remnant? Where are the Hebrews? Where are the ones who identify with Abraham? That's all, that, that's all this is. So when it says that my feasts are for the sons of Israel, that means you. And what's crazy is 1 Corinthians says it. Yeshua says it. Paul says it. Acts says it. Revelation says it. And somehow the church was like, well, now that Yeshua is here, none of it matters. He's the fulfillment of the feast, and there's one he has not fulfilled yet. That's why this is important. When people say it's done, <laughs> when people say it's done, then they're saying his story's over. But it's not over because he is returning. It is finished before the foundations of the earth, but there's still a story. Okay? All right. So Exodus is the story. Leviticus 23 gives you the 
outline of what you need to do in your family. Starting with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, how to honor it, what to do with that, how many days it is, what Passover is, and what first fruits is, okay? Oh. It's powerful. Uh, Joshua 5, right in the middle of Joshua 5, they actually celebrate Passover in the midst of their Jordan issue. And it tells you what date they do it on. So this is why it's so powerful. So let me give you the dates. Oh, it's eight o'clock. Okay, let me talk about Sea of Reeds. Okay, when you're, in, when you're in Exodus, I want you guys to understand the story, okay? Passover. Let me, let me go through Passover. So the plagues are happening, and everyone is affected, Egyptians and Israelites. Everyone's affected. But he gives them a strategy for the last plague for them to not be affected by it if they sacrifice the lamb and put the blood on the doorposts. Okay? That is Passover. There was a time to do it, and they were told to do it the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay. So Passover happens. They put it on the doorpost. Sunset happens, and then they start their Seder. They start, they start the unleavened bread with the slaughtered lamb, and they, they go through the unleavened bread, and they celebrate for about two days. And they are commanded to do that for seven days eight days, seven, eight days, okay? When Passover happens, they leave in a haste. So they get delivered out of Egypt. What is the next part of the story? They come up to the Sea of Reeds, which is what we've known as the Red Sea. And it's so funny. I feel like the Israelites is so much like our family, where you get... This crazy, can you imagine sitting at your dinner? You are told to have a Seder meal, which basically means get some things in order. Seder means order. Put some things in order. You're going to sacrifice a lamb. I need that blood on your doorpost. And the only way that I will redeem your firstborn son is if I see the blood. And you're sitting there at night eating. And the death angel is swirling around. After you have had the locust, the blood, you have seen, you have been involved in all of it. Then it tells them, ask your neighbor for their stuff. So they go to the Egyptians and be like, uh, because Pharaoh finally says, get the hell out of here. I don't want any part of your God near me. I get it. He's God. I'm not. I finally get it. Get out of here. Get it. Get it. Go. So, so then you go to your enemy and say, can I have all your silver too? Cause I'm out of here. And they're like, yes, take it all. Get out of here. And so they leave. Don't you think after that, they would be like, yeah, Yahweh. The first time they got a little trip up, I would have rather had a bowl of meat than this stuff. So think about eight days of unleavened bread. You're cleaning out, and they were already like, well, I would have rather had meat and just kept building for Pharaoh. 
and it just keeps going. And then, and then he goes, I'm the Lord your God, and I will see you, and I will be glorified through your redemption. Okay. And then he redeems them again, and he does all this cool rescuing, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, the water's bitter. We have nothing to drink. <laughs> but I'm like making fun of us right now. <laughs> Right? I mean, you know, so, I mean, the unleavened bread is an opportunity to be like, okay, I can't have my grit. I can't have my waffles. He shall deliver me next morning. I can't have pancakes. He shall rescue me. You just keep going through. You know what I mean? Like, I want my bread. You will eat matzah. <laughs> because it's the manna and the bread of life and just the goodness. And so, anyways, okay. So, you've got your Passover. You have unleavened bread, and they're going on a journey, the Sea of Reeds. Ooh, this is so good. Sometimes when you think of the story of the Red Sea, you think they, they come up to the water, right? I mean, I, I'm not going to get into all the details of the cloud and how it moved and their separation and then light and darkness, and I'm like, yeah. But anyways, they come up to the water. This is the way I've envisioned it. The water splits. 600,000 men plus children and women and all their cattle and all their livestock cross this thing. I envision it separates and they just walk. Okay? Look at the symbolism here. It was a sea. Is the sea flat? Water splits and they go down. He went down in the tomb. At the same time that they are walking down deep. This is the separation of sin and going down underneath to be lifted up afterwards and put your foot on dry ground for first fruits. First fruits happens when Miriam starts banging that tambourine, Shirley. Isn't that so powerful? And then count 50 days. Mount Sinai. He's that intentional. So every story in Exodus, it's like from Passover to, to uh, their camping to the walking through. Then you fast forward to Yeshua's time and he does the exact same thing. The Passover. He dies on Nisan, for, on Nisan 14. John, I'll give you the scripture. John clearly states it. Oh my gosh, I have like a million scriptures over here. Oh. <laughs> John 19.31 maybe? I'll get it for you guys. But in the renewed covenant, it is very clear that he dies on the 14th of Nisan. Okay? So anytime you're looking at the calendar you just put on your phone, if it's the 14th of Nisan, that is the day he died. Okay? Now, this year is super powerful. Remember last year how confusing it was? Because the 14th of Nisan is not always on a Friday. So Good Friday, every single year, is not Good Friday. It's the 14th of Nisan, which might be a Wednesday, which might be a Tuesday, but this year it happens to be on a Friday. 
So we are in a year where we get to match what he actually did, because he really did actually die on a Friday, according to certain studies. Okay, so he's slaughtered at 3 o'clock on the 14th of Nisan. At sunset begins the 15th of Nisan, which is the beginning of unleavened bread. So the 15th of Nisan, which is Saturday, when we are all going to be together, is the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but it starts the night before. So basically what's happening and what I'd like to do is have part of a Seder meal next Friday. I know we're going to decorate cups and I know we're going to have our afikoman bags, but I would like to bring at least two elements that are super important in Exodus. It says, please tell your children what happened. And by remembering, I want you to eat matzah and bitter herbs. So we are going to engage in matzah and bitter herbs next Friday as a Seder, knowing that he has been crucified. He is going down in the sea of reeds. He's separating sin. And we are going to start unleavened bread that evening. Okay. Then he's in the tomb all day Saturday. And then Sunday morning is when he is found by the women. Now, he did fulfill the prophecy that he would be in the ground for three days. And I know it gets confusing because Friday to Sunday is not three days. But in Hebrew, because the days are half and half, any part of that day is a day. And you can read it in Esther. Remember when she fasts for three days? But the day that she starts and then the fast ends is on that day. And there's a lot of scriptures that say on the third day he rose. So Friday's day one, Saturday's day two, is day two, Sunday is day three. He rises. That is our first fruits. But we will continue the Feast of Unleavened Bread, as he says, to honor that for the rest of the week. But the counting of the Omer, because they just landed after the Sea of Reeds, is 50 days to Shavuot. So Omer 1, the counting of the Omer, is going to be on Sunday, then 2, then 3, then 4. And every day we're going to be talking about character development and how as a family we want to move forward week by week in order to prepare ourselves to be able to be the recipient of covenant. <sighs> which you guys know is Torah. <laughs> that was the cutting of the covenant. He gave them it by oral, like by oral, but at Mount Sinai, it was written. Listen to this. In Exodus, he gave them commandments, but at Mount Sinai, it was written. What does Jeremiah say in the New Testament about us? In the renewed covenant, I am going to make a covenant with my people where I will write my Torah on their hearts because at Shavuot, it gets in you and it is written on your heart. That is the express, that's why they started speaking in tongues and started getting crazy. People thought like me that they were drunk at 9 a.m. Because you did, because they had it in them. And, and, and there's so many prophecies. Uh, I could go on and on. I don't know if there was 3,000 that were added. It says that 3,000 were added. I don't know if it was literal. 3,000 died at Mount Sinai. I believe that that was a prophetic showing that whatever was lost will be redeemed. So what was lost now? What was lost? What was lost at Shavuot? What was lost at Passock? Specifically with Judah. <laughs> and what's going to come in at Tabernacles? Right? So whatever is lost will be found. And there's something so powerful about all the symbolism with that. But does that make sense with the timeline? 
So I do want to just clarify some things. Because you can look at all the Gospels and you can map out everything that happened with him. The one thing that's up for debate, debate, the one thing that's up for debate is the Last Supper. So I want to just, because I, what I want you guys to do is, um, is like eat this. Like go into Exodus and be like, what time were they doing this? And what does that mean that Yeshua did that? Like, like it matches. How, I think the reason why I get so passionate, and you guys know my story. Sorry, I woke up out of religion on my own because I woke up at Shavuot. I didn't know that it was Shavuot, but I woke up. I think, I think I've told you guys this. I actually ordered a cake for the church to celebrate the birthday of the church, which is not, anyways, it doesn't matter. I woke up at Shavuot because it became real. I started freaking out. When you read the end of every gospel after his resurrection, and it says, you wait, and then you count the days until Acts 2, and it actually was 50. I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden the scriptures just were like, like it just, it was like his, it was just real. It made sense to me. And so I happened to wake up to the reality of the day. Like I wanted to like, what was he, what day was it when he was cooking the fish and why 50 and why seven, why, why seven Shabbats and why did they say to wait and why did Ruach fall on that day when it could have been any day? Cause you know, you're kind of raised with this like hyper grace, which means just get on your knees and pray and one day you'll fly away. You're just kind of left with this, like, there's no rhyme or reason. You just kind of, you just, I don't know. It's not a mystery. It is until you knock. But he says, I will open the door. So it's all of a sudden, all these, like, mysteries started getting unlocked, and I started, like, seeing, like, the Old Testament is coming alive, and, oh, he's fulfilling the Old Testament, but there's some things he hasn't fulfilled, and I thought that this was all gone, and anyways, it all became real. So I, I just happened to get passionate about this. So when it comes time to Passock, I really wanted to know what, like, isn't it powerful to know that the Sea of Reeds is the same as him being in the tomb? Isn't it powerful to know that the blood on the doorpost is his blood on your doorpost? Isn't it powerful to know that the, when the covenant was given at Mount Sinai, that it's going to be written on my heart and it actually already happened and I have it right now and I'm super important? Like, I feel like this is so, this is so powerful. So for me, I like to like, like I, wanna, I want to find every um, inconsistency. Like, I want to know like what doesn't make sense. Like, I actually look for hypocritical things in the scripture to try to like dig it out. And the more I do that, the more I'm like, it wasn't an inconsistency, but it just, so anyways, what I wanted to say is that I can give you guys all the scriptures. I know I didn't tonight. I will. I can, but uh, Nisan 13, the 13th of Nisan is, is preparation. So again, kind of like what we are, it's, they were preparing the lamb, you know, just to know the 10th, I had already told you guys, they picked out the lamb. The 13th is the preparation. Then you have the, um, the 14th, um, they do the, well, I don't know if I want to get into that. Okay, the 14th is the crucifixion. The 15th is the Seder, the start of unleavened bread. And then the 16th is always first fruits. Now, I'm saying that boldly because there's two different ways to look at this. I'm saying that as our family. And I, I don't necessarily have time to get into that. But there's, if you read in Exodus, it says the day after the Sabbath starts the first fruits. 
some sections, as time went on, started to interpret that after Sabbath. It happens to work out this year, but what happens when First Fruits is on like Thursday, so then some sections of, of, of Torah observant people will wait till after the Sabbath to start. And so then what it does is it moves your Shavuot. So Shavuot is not on a day. Shavuot is 50 days after first fruits. You have to know when first fruits is. And it gets a little bit wonky. If you're going in and studying, I just want you to know where you're going to find some wonkiness. You're going to find some wonkiness on first fruits. But for this family, from the studying I've done, I believe that first fruits is always on the 16th of Nisan. Not necessarily the day after Sabbath. I just thought that that kind of got confusing. So he is crucified on the 14th. The 16th of Nisan is always first fruits, okay? That means the counting of the Omar for our family is always on the 16th of Nisan, which is going to make Shavuot always on June 5th, okay? It actually got so wonky that they ended up having to make a law, and they basically said Shavuot is allowed to land on the 5th, 6th, and 7th, but not before or after, because it was, you know, the priests, and then you got 500,000 people you're trying to feed, and I'm sure Passover got late, and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think the priests could keep up, and so then their wave offerings were late. I don't know. But you're going to find some walkiness with first fruits. Here's the other thing. It is completely clear when he died. It is completely clear when first fruits happens. What's not clear is what Last Supper is. And so if you're studying this like I would, you're going to see some weirdness with, uh, with the Last Supper. Some believe it was the Seder meal. And then some believe that it was actually a feast before a fast. This is my take. I don't believe it could be the Seder meal because he is the Seder meal. And they didn't have it until unleavened bread started, which happened after he was crucified. But here's what is so powerful. Here's what I do understand. He was Galilean and very closely related to the Pharisees. I know most of us think, oh, Pharisees are bad, but actually Pharisees were very close in alignment with what he taught. It was the Sadducees and the Zealots that were not good. There were two calendars. The Pharisees operated off of one, and the, and the um, Sadducees gave another calendar. I believe that it was partly a Seder meal with his disciples as a Galilean because what the family started to do, because there were so many people, was they would pick out their lamb and they would just start celebrating it right away. And so what that shows to me is that he fulfilled the feast in person with the people he was close with and then filled the corporate feast when the big priest, the big Sadducee priest, had to do the final slaughter. So it is actually proven that at the time of the final slaughter, at three o'clock, the corporate slaughter of the lamb, he was crying out, it is finished. At the moment that that slaughter happened, he was, he, he had, he was, he, it was done. And in fact, when they came by to kill him, they uh, ended up, they pierced him because that's what happened. They didn't end up breaking his legs, so he fulfilled the prophecy. So I believe that he did have a Seder. There's also another aspect uh, of this, just real quick, but there's called the feast of the, um, the fast of the firstborn. What that is, is you fast the day before unleavened bread. Only the firstborns have to fast the day before the the feast of unleavened bread. And the purpose for that is to remember the redeemer of the firstborn. So I believe that Yeshua was a firstborn. And I believe he was having a big fat feast with his disciples, knowing he had to fast as the firstborn. He started fasting that morning and then was crucified that afternoon. 
okay? So if you're studying this, you might get some hiccups on that because, you know, there's some different calendars out there and it kind of just changes a little bit on some things. But for the most part, that's what, I, that's what I've studied. Uh, let me give you some scriptures to write down and then I think we'll be done. Come prepared next Friday to begin this feast, okay? Um, like I said, Exodus... Chapters 11 through 15 is pretty much going to be your story. Leviticus 23 is going to be the, um, the, the law, the way he writes out how you're supposed to operate in the feast. Um, in the renewed covenant, you have, well, I'll just give them, they're out of order. But 1 Corinthians 15, I'm just going to give you that whole chapter. He's talking about him being the first fruits. You also have 1 Corinthians 5 that tells you to honor the Feast of Unleavened Bread. How is that Easter? You know what I mean? Even Resurrection Sunday, that's fine. What about the rest of it? It's because, you know what it is? We don't want to do the work. We want him risen and that's it. Resurrection Sunday, it's fine. Good Friday, nah, I don't even know what that means. Palm Sunday, nah. He's risen, it's awesome, he's good. But we don't want to do our part. We don't want to do the, not that, we, not that it's only us, but we don't want to honor that he did that part and that we get to honor that with him. Because if I, because if I get the fruit of being risen, right? Like, I, like I, I want to be risen. You can't rise if you don't go down. I want the fruit or the, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, you don't have a testimony if you don't have a test. You, you don't have anything to be delivered from if you weren't bound. So it's like, we just walk around. I don't want to be entitled of like, I'm just always, you know, I want to be delivered from, I want to understand that concept of, uh, of that slavery. So, um, yep, it's John 19, 31. Talks about the first fruits. John 20, 17. You have Mark 16, 2. You have Matthew, Matthew 12, 40 is where it says that he will do it for three days. Matthew 26, 17 through 27. Actually, I'm sorry. Chapters 26. Just do chapters 26 and 27. Um... Luke 22, 1. I think that that's probably good. Remember what an omer is? It is, a she, it is the sheaf. It is the actual bundle. And so just, you know, when we're counting out the omer, we're, it's everything Derek said, we're honoring the agriculture. It is the sustenance of life. We're walking through to be able to receive that harvest of what's to come. Um, yeah, I think that that might be it. And obviously, going into next week, we're going to go into the details. We're going to have part, part of a Seder meal. We're going to be decorating our cups. So I'll just start that announcement now. When you come Friday, come with your individual wine glass. We will have everything to decorate it. Come with your family Afi Komen bag. We will have everything to decorate it. We're going to be doing that, plus we're going to be doing the Seder. And I want to teach on parts of the Seder and why we do it. And then on Saturday when we come together, be, it is going to be a fun day. 
as you guys remember, it is going to be a time of fellowship, and we are going to be hanging out, and there's going to be um, just good, I mean, there's just going to be food, and, but remember, we're going to be engaging the four cups. Those four cups are part of the Seder. So it's kind of like we're just celebrating over the two-day feast. The first two days are the big, the big two days. So we're going to be doing part of the Seder meal on Friday night. All day Saturday, we'll be engaging in the cups. Remember, each cup means something. Each cup is a promise. We're going to be teaching on that. We're going to be talking about that. So we're going to be getting a lot of teaching about Passover if, if you didn't feel like there was enough tonight in those details. Are you laughing? What? <laughs> Um, oh, okay. All right. You guys doing okay? I didn't even open this once. Um, okay. I think, I think we're good. Um, Well, that's just kind of a side note. Yeah, I think, I, think that, I think that that's good. There's just so many gems. If you decide to take this and eat it for yourself, you will find many gems. You will even find out in the scriptures that I gave you for John, you're going to end up finding out why he says, this happened before Seder and during, because you need to know what audience he was writing to. And that he was talking more about the enemies. There's just so many things that, that are gems in all of this and the storyline. But at the end of the day, I just want us to understand that the feasts were fulfilled. Two different timelines were honoring at the same time next Friday. We're honoring Exodus. We're honoring about being delivered. And we're honoring that he was our final deliverance. Okay? All right. Amen. I'm done. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.